Salutations, listeners. You're listening to another episode of the Dr. Jazz Podcast, and I'm your host, Nathan Holloway, your doctor for jazz. And it is our mission here at the Dr. Jazz Podcast to cure whatever it is that ails you through the power and the majesty of jazz music. In this episode, we are continuing our spotlight on rock and roll songs that are put into the hands of jazz musicians and used as creative improvisational vehicles. So this is officially the jazz rock or rock jazz, question mark, part two episode. So don't start with this episode. Go back, listen to part one first, and then come into part two. But we have... 15 tracks in part one, and we have 15 tracks for you here in part two. Now, as I said before, at the beginning of part one, it it would be easy to sit there and just try to find a handful of Beatles songs performed by jazz artists and then, you know, sprinkle in one or two more and go, hey, it's, it's rock jazz, but... The Beatles are kind of an, an, an anomaly on their own, and if you go back through the archives of the podcast episodes here at the Dr. Jazz Podcast, you will see that this has been a, a current rabbit hole because we have had uh, an episode dedicated to jazz musicians using the music of rock legend Jimi Hendrix as improvisational vehicles, as well as <clears throat> the episode entitled Meldow Rock, in which pianist Brad Meldow takes many songs that uh, were personal to him that he grew up with, either in the 90s or uh, as classic rock songs, and which I guess is considered classic rock now, and using them as improvisational vehicles. So we decided to go deeper in the rabbit hole, find even more jazz artists uh, to give you more variety. And it's a groovy time. So sit back. Relax, grab a beverage, and join us as we go through our 15 tracks of Jazz Rock, or Rock Jazz, Part 2, here on the Dr. Jazz Podcast. Enjoy. Thank you. 
All right. Three really great tracks right there. Uh, completely varied, too. So there you have it. Um, we started off that set with Michael Jackson's Thriller, believe it or not. Yes, anything is game, y'all. Anything. Anything is game. And it comes from the great Italian trumpet player Enrico Rava, who has been performing since like the late 60s, 70s, you know. Um, and it comes from his ECM album, uh, his 2012 ECM album, Rava on the Dance Floor, which was uh, with the Parco della Musica Jazz Lab live at the Rome Auditorium. Yeah, and... We've got like three trumpet players, a trombone pl- and slash tuba player, an alto sax slash flute, a tenor sax slash clarinet, a keyboard player, a piano player, a bass player, electric guitar, drums, and percussion. I mean, this is a full-on group. And it's really just playing all the music of Michael Jackson. Uh, with the arrangements by Mauro Ottolini. And this is a really cool album. If you like Michael Jackson's music and you like jazz, you know, improvisation and cool arrangements, then this might be the album for you. Because they've got, of course, Thriller, which we heard. Uh, I Just Can't Stop Loving You, Blood on the Dance Floor, History, Smooth Criminal, uh, They Don't Care About Us. A lot of great songs on here. So, yeah. Uh, once again, that's Enrico Rava with the album Rava on the Dance Floor from 2012. And we heard Thriller to start off this entire episode of the podcast. After that, we kind of mellowed out a little bit. And we heard the song made world famous by Nora Jones. Uh, Don't Know Why. And um, yeah. And so y- you may think like, well, that was a little smooth. Like Dutch Jazz, that was a little smooth, you know. But, yeah, it may be mellow. But here's the, the, here's the surprising part, if you don't already know who, who, who this is. That was a solo guitar rendition of the Nora Jones classic, don't know why, by the one and only legendary NEA jazz master Pat Matheny. That's right. This comes from his album One Quiet Night, from 2003, 20 years ago, I might add, um, that he just, he recorded 12 songs on solo baritone guitar. And it's a beautiful album. It really is. Like, this is the kind of album you put on, on like a a rainy night when you're stuck inside. It's just, mm, it's, yeah, this is it right here. No doubt. And <clears throat> there's a lot of other great songs on here, too, um, besides the one that we heard, Don't Know Why. He's also performing his own composition, Last Train Home, along with the Keith Jarrett composition, My Song, which is just super fantastic. And then we ended the set <clears throat> with the one and only Nina, Nina Simone, singing Rich Girl. Made famous by Holland Oates. Well, I don't know if you can even say Holland Oates now that there's a restraining order against each other. That's really weird. But the point is, is it comes from her January 1978 
album, and her only album for CTI Records under Creed Taylor, entitled Baltimore. And there's a little bit of controversy with this album. First of all, it's just odd enough that Nina Simone would ever sing and record a song by Hall & Oates. Because at this point in time, they're not the Hall & Oates, right? Like, this is 78, y'all. I can't go for that. I can't <laughs> I can't assume that, you know, they, they were such a big deal by then. I just think that it was a very popular song. Um, no one knew that the hits like I Can't Go For That, you know, and Private Eyes and all that stuff, Your Kiss Is On My List, You Make My Dreams Come True, all that stuff would come later on. But this could be why. Um, so it, as it turns out, um, this album was uh, due to a lack of promotion and Nina's own dissatisfaction with the record. It became a commercial failure. It received mixed reviews from the critics and it even failed to chart. So why? Because it's Nina Simone, right? So, you know, but here's the thing. The sessions for the album were very tense. Nina Simone disagreed with Creed Taylor's production choices, particularly his interest in the reggae sound and oh, and like throughout the album, which caused her to ask Creed Taylor, what is this corny stuff? <laughs> Believe it or not, that's exactly what she asked Creed Taylor. And because she was so dissatisfied with his choices, it delayed production, but she would eventually record her vocals for the album in one single hour-long sitting. And she would later recall of the historic barn where this album was recorded, a basement in Belgium where I was forced to sing songs in order to get out of there. So, held in captivity, you know, artistically speaking. She would later go on to say about the album, look, this material was not my personal choice, and I had no say whatsoever in the selection of songs. It was all done before I could make any decisions, end quote. So this kind of leaves it unclear whether she is kind of fabricating this or if she's indeed telling the truth, because it is known that Nina had always insisted on creative control and her contracts with previous labels before this with Creed Taylor and CTI. So the mystery kind of remains. Did Creed Taylor really kind of strong arm his creative decisions in on Nina on this? And I would lean towards yes, because if she truly felt like this is a hit and a miss, and she had something to do with it. I think that she would have stayed on with CTI for more than one album. But it was just like a, a quick jump and go. Like, she just hopscotched that, you know. So, and Creed Taylor was known to be quite the hit maker with other artists on CTI at the time, whether it was Ron Carter, Freddie Hubbard, Hubert Laws, etc. But, and they made multiple albums with him and CTI. But, not for Nina. So this is a one and done. And I think that he probably did kind of strong arm his creative will on that particular session. And say what you will, but it 
within the right context, like an episode like this with a theme that kind of connects these sort of things, it's kind of cool to hear Nina, Nina Simone sing a Holland Oates song. So there you go. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Uh, either way, it doesn't get more varied than Michael Jackson, Holland Oates, and Nora Jones. <laughs> Crazy as that is. Um, so, yeah, like I said, we've got plenty of great songs coming at you. I'm going to stop talking. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Jazz Rock or Rock Jazz, part two, here on the Dr. Jazz Podcast.
All right, three really groovy tracks right there. Uh, and there are some connecting threads, believe it or not. There's quite a number of connecting threads between those three tracks. So let's delve into them in the order in which we heard them. So the very first track that we heard was the song made famous by Roberta Flack, Killing Me Softly with His Song. And if you're of my generation, that the Fugees with Lauren Hill put back into the spotlight of popularity. Um, but this version actually was from the 1975 album Forecast by guitar great Eric Gale, one of my favorite uh, studio cats on guitar, Eric Gale. And um, this album is from the Kudu record label, which has kind of been, it's like a subsidiary of CTI. And it features Eric Gale on guitars, Bob James on electric piano, organ synthesizer, and bass marimba, Gordon Edwards on electric bass, Bill Salter on electric bass as well. Um, On that track, Rick Marotta on the drums, but on some of the other tracks, the one and only Idris Muhammad on the drum with his funky, funky self. Uh, Joe Farrell is on tenor sax and flute. Hubert Laws is on additional flute and piccolo. And Ralph McDonald is on percussion. Now, the interesting thing about this 1975 album is that even though it was through Kudu, which is a subsidiary of CTI Records, it was produced by the one and only Creed Taylor, who we just mentioned in our last blurb about Nina Simone uh, and her album Baltimore. So, Creed Taylor is kind of everywhere that there seems to be a, at least from the 60s and 70s point of view, wherever there's a pop song in the hands of a jazz musician, Creed Taylor is usually somewhere to be found. (coughs) That being said, it leads me (coughs) to our second track that we heard, which was California Dreamin', made popular by the Mamas and the Papas the folk 60s group with John Phillips and uh, Mama Cass, etc. Right? <clears throat> All right. So this arrangement, version, recording, if you will, of California Dreamin' comes from the Verve Records album of the exact same name. That's how popular and how much stock that they were putting behind this track. So in September 1966... Wes Montgomery decided to go in to the studio with some arrangements by the great Don Sebesky and record California Dreamin', made famous by the Mamas and the Papas. Now, in that group that was assembled for this recording session in 1966 at Van Gelder Studios with Rudy Van Gelder, of course, Wes Montgomery was on guitar, but Mel Davis, Bernie Glow, James Nottingham were in the trumpet section. Wayne Andre, John Messner, and the one and only Bill Watrous, the Tiger of San Pedro himself, were in the trombone section. Don Butterfield was on tuba. 
Ray Beckenstein was on alto sax, flute, and piccolo. Stan Webb was on alto sax, barry sax, English horn. That's right, that English horn that you heard at the beginning. And clarinet. James Buffington was on the French horn. The one and only Herbie Hancock was on piano with those little tasty fills in between some of the melody thing before the solo section, right? Yeah. Now, let me take a quick pause. Let's reiterate again that this is September of 66. This is at the prime moment that Miles Davis and his quintet were really pushing the boundaries and the envelope of jazz music with Miles Davis, Wayne Shorter, Ron Carter, Tony Williams, and of course, Herbie Hancock. So he was going in the studio with Wes Montgomery to record California Dreamin' at the same time that he was playing Footprints and, you know, Orbits and writing songs like The Sorcerer. That's kind of cool if you think about it. And it's a testament to Herbie's genius. It really is. So there you go. Uh, Back to the, the list here. Al Casamenti and the one and only Bucky Pizzarelli were on backup guitars. Jack Jennings was on the vibraphone, castanets, and the scratcher. Bass legend Richard Davis is on this session, not to mention Grady Tate on the drums and Ray Barreto on percussion. Talk about a killer track. Um, Yeah. So here's the thing. Eric Gale, guitar player. Wes Montgomery, guitar player. But that's not where the similarities end. The producer at the time of this session in 1966 was the one and only Creed Taylor. That's right. So you have Creed Taylor with the Nina Simone track, Creed Taylor with the Eric Gale track, Creed Taylor with the Wes Montgomery track. And then the last song that we heard in that set, none other than White Rabbit, made famous by Grace Slick and Jefferson Airplane. This is before they became the Jefferson Starship, and, you know, nothing's going to stop us now. So, um, White Rabbit by Jefferson Airplane from the 1972 album White Rabbit of the same name by George Benson. Killer. Now, what's interesting, this is recorded in November of 71. And it features George Benson on guitar, Jay Berliner on Spanish guitar. None other than Earl Clue was on uh, acoustic guitar on one of these tracks. Uh, Gloria Agostini was on harp. Phil Krause is on vibes and percussion. Erto Moreira was on percussion and some background vocals. The drummer for the session was none other than the great Billy Cobham. On electric bass on that track that we heard. Electric bass. Ron Carter. Ron Carter. And then even in the the reed section was Phil Bodner and Hubert Laws. Killer, right? But 
the electric pianist who had a nice little solo there? You guessed it, Herbie Hancock. That's right, Herbie Hancock. In November 71, this is when he was out the door with Miles from the Bitches Brew album and the Live Evil album, and he was starting the Mwandishi band. So, again, you have Herbie, a testament to his genius here, being able to expand these long-form improvisations, like You'll Know When You Get There and, and things like that, with the Mwandishi band, at the same time that he can just drop in the session with Ron Carter, Billy Cobham, Eric Toe, George Benson, and record a Jefferson Airplane cover and make it groove. With a nice little Spanish hint to it as well. So, kudos, right? By the way, this album was the very first Grammy Award nomination to George Benson in 1972 for Best Jazz Performance by a Group. And how could you not say that? I mean, look at the, the folks on the session, right? So there you go. So in this set, we have the variety of Roberta Flack, <clears throat> the Mamas and the Papas, and Jefferson Airplane. Tying that all together, three guitarists, Eric Gale, Wes Montgomery, George Benson. The last two tracks had Herbie Hancock playing piano on both of them, whether it's electric or acoustic. <clears throat> but the other tying thing altogether is that Creed Taylor produced that album and that track as well. So Creed Taylor produced the last four tracks that we have heard in this podcast. That's crazy. But as I said, there is certain things that you learn the deeper you go down the rabbit hole. So, there you go. Now, quick PSA. Remember that you can find the Dr. Jazz Podcast wherever you find your podcast. So, <clears throat> if you have a friend or a family member that would really enjoy this, remember, this is free. And you can find, you know, the Dr. Jazz Podcast wherever you go and you listen to podcasts. So, whether that's Apple, Amazon, Mixcloud, uh, SoundCloud, uh, Stitcher, TuneIn, Podbean, whatever. We're there. <clears throat> so <clears throat> simply just tell them like, hey, I think you dig this. It's free. You don't have to pay a dime because we're not making a dime. I mean, we're just putting good vibes out there in the universe. So there you go. Um, and there you go. Now, you they can listen to the whole thing and every episode that we've ever made. And I think we're 240 plus at this point. So, yeah, we've been going quite a long time. Now, the other thing is, is that if you're trying to jot down who, who did what, was it Eric Gale that did the California? No, that was Wes Montgomery. Okay. No, you don't have to do that. We've got all that taken care of for you. All you got to do is go to our website. And it's also smartphone compatible, so you can go to it on that way too, if you're not at a computer. That website is Dr. Jazz Podcast, D-R-J-A-Z-Z Podcast, dot wordpress dot com. And there you can find each episode of the podcast, and when you click the episode, you will see not only the track title, but the artist and the album artwork in the order in which we play them for every single episode. So that way, 
you know exactly what to go looking for in either your local record store, support local if you can, folks, or what to order, or what to add to your own personal playlist if you find a track that you really dig. So, there you go. Also, at the top of that page, you can click Contact, and it'll open up a blank box. In that blank box, all you got to do, write an email, and then hit Send, and I'll get it. And as long as you're not soliciting something, I'll write you back. So if there's a great, you know, rock jazz cover that we may have missed, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. So, and we will write you back. So, all right. That being said, um, yeah, I'm going to stop talking. Let's get to uh, another set of great music here on this episode. And it features somebody we just talked about quite a bit in that last break. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Dr. Jazz Podcast. Thank you. 
Wow. Just wow. <clears throat> Man. Whew, three really good ones right there. Oh, my God. All right. So, if you couldn't tell, one of the connecting three... One of the connecting themes there in that last set was that the main artists on each of these three recordings were pianists. So in the last set, we had guitarist as the featured instrument. In this set, keyboards or piano is the featured instrument. Um, as, uh, as promised, the one we started out with was... All Apologies by Nirvana, made famous by Nirvana. But we heard All Apologies in the hands of the great Herbie Hancock. And in fact, the cool thing about this is that it comes from an album, a 1996 album, entitled The New Standard on Verve Records. And it features Herbie Hancock alongside even though we didn't hear all of these artists on that particular track, it does feature Herbie Hancock alongside saxophonist Michael Brecker, guitarist John Schofield, bassist Dave Holland, drummer Jack DeChanette, and percussionist Don Elias. Now, what's really cool is that the whole premise of what we're doing on this episode and the previous one Herbie did an entire album on that, and he was already thinking that way in 1996 because it features so many great songs on this album. New York Minute, Mercy Street, Norwegian Wood, When Can I See You, You've Got a Bad Girl, Love is Stronger Than Pride, Scarborough Fair, Thieves in the Temple, Manhattan, and All Apologies. So, kudos. And by the way, all the arrangements throughout that entire album are done by either Herbie Hancock or Bob Belden. And that's a gap that doesn't get enough love, let me tell you. Uh, Bob Belden, huge thinker. But yeah, all apologies. Two years after Kurt's untimely death, in the hands of the great Herbie Hancock. And, you know, just, it. what can you say? Herbie's great at this. In the middle of that set, we heard a piano trio, and we heard them covering Bob Dylan's My Back Pages. And th this is something special, because this group um, is none other, this piano trio, is none other than the great Keith Jarrett on piano, Charlie Hayden on the bass, and the one and only Paul Motion on the drums, and this was done in 1969. It was actually recorded August 30th and 31st, 1968, but, in California, but it was released in 1969. So, this is right uh, on the heels of Keith Jarrett leaving the Charles Lloyd Quartet, in which... That featured just a whole band full of stars. You talk about Charles Lloyd being the leader, Keith, a young Keith Jarrett as the pianist, Jack DeJanette on drums, and Cecil McBee on bass. Killer group. If you haven't checked out early Charles Lloyd Quartet, you should do that. Um, but yeah, <clears throat> this comes from an Atlantic album called Somewhere Before. It's the Keith Jarrett Trio. 
um, <clears throat> as we can go back and connect the dots, those two players being Charlie Hayden and Paul Motion would be integral to Keith Jarrett forming his American quartet in the 70s alongside Dewey Redman. And there's a whole host of great recordings there. Uh, simultaneously, while he had a European quartet for ECM Records. So, yeah, amazing stuff. Then we ended the set with Smells Like Teen Spirit. Of course, once again, made famous by Kurt Cobain and Nirvana. And so it was a Nirvana book in. There you go. But this was in the hands of recent, well, relatively recent, keyboard jazz great Robert Glasper. And Robert Glasper created the arrangement there for Smells Like Teen Spirit. He was on keyboards, piano, Fender Rhodes. Uh, Casey Benjamin was on the vocoder for that track and the synthesizer. Derek Hodge was on bass. Chris Dave was on drums and percussion. Uh, Jahi Sundance was on turntables. And what's interesting is that the back, well, the vocals on the back end of that track, not the background, but the last part, I should say, of that track is none other than the great Layla Hathaway, Donnie Hathaway's daughter, but an artist in her own right. Um, And that's really cool. And, and, And that's the thing is that this comes from a 2012 album for Blue Nut Records entitled Black Radio. And there are three volumes of Black Radio now, uh, but this features so many great things going on. Um, for, entrance, for, for instance, um, you have Sade's Cherish the Day featuring Layla Hathaway. You've got Robert Glasper experiment playing Afro Blue. The Mongo Santa Maria jazz classic, but featuring Erica Badu um, performing it there. You've got um, The Consequences of Jealousy, written by Robert Glasper and Michelle Nadegacello, featuring Michelle Nadegacello. You've got Robert Glasper playing Letter to, Letter to Hermione, Hermione by uh, David Bowie, featuring Bilal. Not to mention, if you get the deluxe edition, you get to hear Robert Glasper covering Twice by Little Dragon and A Love Supreme by John Coltrane. So, a lot of cool stuff, a lot of cool things. Um, so you can have... The, the reason I chose Nirvana as the bookends is because that is a wealth of material, first of all, because there's no telling how many folks have covered Smells Like Teen Spirit or lithium, or any of that stuff. But it's interesting to see the dichotomy because you have someone like Herbie Hancock taking all apologies this way, and you have someone like Robert Glasper taking Smells Like Teen Spirit that way. So that's really cool. I mean, that's like super cool. So, and that's what's great about jazz musicians taking this familiar material from rock songs that many of us know because it's you can't escape it. It's in pop culture. 
you know, whether it's Michael Jackson or Hall and Oates or, you know, California Dreamin' or Nirvana, it doesn't matter. It's pop culture. You can't get away from a lot of this stuff. So hearing it in a very artistic, expansive way, in a different way, get familiar. That's what's cool about this whole episode and the previous one, and hopefully you're digging it too. So, again, Thank you so much for allowing us to be a part of your day or evening. You know, we there are a sea of podcasts out there, and we just really appreciate you. So I'm going to stop talking. We've got two more very cool sets coming at you, so don't go anywhere. You're listening to Jazz Rock or Rock Jazz, part two, here on the Dr. Jazz Podcast. <laughs>
Alright, three really nice tunes right there in that set. This is more of the mellow set, right? So let's start off with what we heard first. The first thing we heard was none other than an incredible arrangement um, <clears throat> by Don Sebesky of James Taylor's Fire and Rain. <clears throat> and this comes from the 1970 album Afro Classic <clears throat> by flutist, jazz flautist, um, Hubert Laws. And it was recorded December 1st and December 11th, 1970. Yeah. And it features Bob James on the electric piano, Gene Bertoncini, who I've actually had the good fortune of meeting, on guitar, uh, Ron Carter, Planet, hashtag Planet Elegance, the maestro himself, Ron Carter on bass, Fred Waits on drums, Dave Friedman on vibraphone with a fuzz pedal on that track, uh, Pablo Landrum and Ayrto Moreira on drums and percussion, and Fred Alston Jr. on the bassoon. Backing up our star of the album, Hubert Flaws on the flute. And, um, yeah, it's an interesting album because there's a lot of classical arranging and contrapuntal harmony going on there, which is really cool because three of the other five tracks are arrangements of classical works. You've got two Bach pieces on this album, Allegro from Concerto Number no. 3 in D and the Pascalia in C minor, both by Bach along with the Flute Sonata in F by Mozart. And then to round out the last and fifth track, it's the theme from Love Story. I mean, it is 1970, y'all. But, but yeah, it starts. the whole album starts out with that arrangement of James Taylor's Fire and Rain. It's really incredible. Um, that kind of sound that they were able to get, you know. And, yet again, the producer for that album because it is on the CTI label is none other than the great Creed Taylor. The second song that we heard was a tune made famous by the stylistics called Betcha by Golly Wow. Except we heard it in the hands of the great trumpeter Freddie Hubbard. And the easiest way to get a hold of this is through the best of Freddie Hubbard um, on the Columbia Contemporary Masters series. And you get a whole lot of great tracks that way, too. But to let you know who's on this, it's Freddie Hubbard on trumpet on the track that we heard. Again, Bob James on piano, Ron Carter on bass, Jack DeJanette on drums, George Benson on guitar, our man again, Hubert Laws on the flute, Ayrton Moreira on the percussion, and it was arranged and conducted by Bob James in 1972. So what's really great about this Best of Freddie Hubbard album is you get Red Clay, First Light, Lonely Town, the theme from The Godfather, Skydive, uh, a gorgeous rendition of Here's That Rainy Day, plus the track that we heard in the middle of the set, Betcha by Golly. Wow. Huh. Good stuff. All right, and then we ended the set with... The Prince hit Diamonds and Pearls with a piano trio. So the piano trio that we heard was the Marcin Vasilevsky trio 
from their ECM album January from 2008. It's Marsan Vasilevsky on the piano, uh, Slavomir Kirkowitz on the double bass, and Mikhail Miskovitz on the drums. And if I mispronounce that, I sincerely apologize. Um, they're definitively uh, Polish musicians because <clears throat> the Marsan Vasilevsky trio backed up Tomasz Stanko for quite a number of years uh, before they branched out into their own and before he passed away. And uh, they even pay homage to him here by covering his tune, Baladina, as well as um, Cinema Paradiso and King Corn by Carla Blay on top of Prince's Diamonds and Pearls from the New Power Generation. Yeah. So, <clears throat> quite a mellow set there. That's okay. That's okay. It's good to be mellow sometimes. You know what I mean? Um, But we got one more set coming for you, and it's good. So, you don't want to go anywhere. Uh, but I do want to take this quick moment to, again, give a PSA. Remember, you can find the Dr. Daz podcast wherever you find your podcast, whether that's SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple, Amazon, MixCloud, SoundCloud, TuneIn, Podbean, whatever. We are there. So if you know somebody who would really dig these kind of tracks and this kind of music and this kind of podcast, it's free. Just tell them to check it out wherever they get their podcasts. Or you can send them a link. It's great. Um, yeah. Uh, again, we're not making a dime off this. This is truly just a good vibes, you know, jazz evangelical mission to put good you know, stuff out there in the universe to get you to get your mind off the craziness of modern day, everyday blah that's out there. So there you go. Um, yeah. And if you're looking for information on these artists, these tracks, these albums, stuff like that, we got you covered. Remember, you don't need to try to figure out how to spell Vasilevsky all by yourself. We've got that done for you. Just go to our website, which is Dr. Jazz Podcast, D R J A. ZZpodcast.wordpress.com. And there you'll be able to find out the track information, the artist information, and the album artwork in the order of what we play for every single episode on the Dr. Jazz Podcast. So there you go. We've got all that covered for you. Plus, if you want to write to us, just click contact at the top of that page. It will open up a blank box. If you can craft your email, and as long as you're not soliciting stuff, we will write you back. And we love to hear from our listeners. So, also, if you have a quick moment, we would love a positive review on Apple Podcasts. We are so close to attaining that perfect rating. We're at like 4.9 out of 5. It'd be great to get back up to 5. So, there you go. Um, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. We're nothing without y'all. Seriously. So... Uh, whether we're a part of your day, your evening, your work experience, whatever. Hopefully we're making it go by a little bit smoother and a little bit cooler. So, um, yeah. So we've got one more set coming up for you on this jazz rock or rock jazz part two episode here at the Dr. Jazz Podcast. Don't go away. <music> Thank you. 
cool cool stuff tell you what man all right so we started off that set with none other than crazy games by mary j blige but it was in the jazz improvisational hands of the dave douglas quintet and that is dave douglas on the trumpet the one and only chris potter on the tennis saxophone Uri Kane on the Fender Rhodes. The one and only James Genus on bass. By the way, if you're not sure why you know, might know that name, why does that name sound familiar? Well, if you've ever seen Saturday Night Live, bam! That is the incredible James Genus on bass at the end of the show, right up there with Lenny Pickett on the tennis saxophone. Or, if you've seen Herbie Hancock live in concert, bam! James is there. All right. But also rounding out the quintet is the one and only Clarence Penn on the drums. This was recorded December 16th through 18th, 2001. And it comes from Dave Douglas's album, The Infinite. Yeah. On RCA, BMG, and Bluebird. Cool album. They also cover uh, Rufus Wainwright. And uh, some other cool stuff on here. It's just a really great album. All right. After that, we heard the Funkadelic George Clinton classic, I'll Stay. But in the hands of Roy Hargrove and the RH Factor, we heard Roy Hargrove on trumpet and background vocals. The one and only D'Angelo on lead vocals. And playing the Wurlitzer. Keith Anderson on alto sax, Jacques Schwartz-Bart on the tenor sax, Bernard Wright on that B3 organ and background vocals, Spanky on guitar, Pino Palladino on bass, and Jason Thomas on drums and background vocals. It comes from the album Hard Groove by the RH Factor from 2003, 20 years ago, the great Roy Hargrove was putting these sounds before you. Mm. Great stuff. Two great trumpeters in a row. And then we ended off the whole two-part episode of Jazz Rock or Rock Jazz with a Beatles song. Yeah, I know. But at least we didn't have like 12 Beatles songs or six Beatles songs, right? So this is there's a reason for this. It's I Want You, She's So Heavy by Soul Live. And it comes from their album, Rubber Soul Live, which features Alan Evans on the drums, Neil Evans on the Hammond B3 organ and piano, and Eric Krasno on guitar. That is Soul Live. But the whole album is Beatles covers, and it's truly great covers at that. Drive My Car, Taxman, In My Life, Eleanor Rigby, Come Together, Something, Revolution, Help, Day Tripper, While My Guitar Gently Weeps, and the track that we heard, I Want You, She's So Heavy. Now, we ended on a Beatles tune out of 30 tracks. We ended on a Beatles tune, and here's why. Because if you go back and you listen to Abbey Road, where the track came from, this is the only track that I can think of that's world famous that the Beatles said, no, 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 for the solo section, we want George to sound like Wes Montgomery. So you literally had Ringo playing swing beats, like this Latin swing thing going on, right? And George Harrison's playing these octaves on the guitar, a la Wes Montgomery. Boom, boom, boom. 
So it's like the Beatles for that hot minute went in a jazz direction. So kudos. They can go in a jazz direction. Jazz cats can go in a rock direction. So thank you so much for listening. Hopefully you've enjoyed these two episodes of the podcast. Um, Yeah, we're nothing without you. So in the words of Duke Ellington, you are beautiful, gracious, and we do love you madly. So until next time, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Y'all be good now, because in jazz, we trust.